It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we are one day away from the NBA draft lottery, a very important day for the Thunder. Let's talk about what the lottery means for the Thunder, some different scenarios that could play out, and the NBA Combine starts today. So what does the Combine mean, and what should you be looking out for in terms of uh, how can you evaluate players based on the Combine while you're reading reports? All that and more, including a shade and sharp profile and projection coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on today's Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, me member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter, Hello Thunderpod. Email the show, Thunderpod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Shakira, we'd like to thank our new sponsor, Locked On Thunder, uh, Shakira Nutrition is a wellness company anchored in food medicine on the mission to nourish. Go to sacra.com slash locked on enter code locked on 20 for 20% off. That's S A K A R A.com slash locked on for 20% off on the locked on 20 promo code. Richard Stamen, Mavs draft on Twitter. How you doing? We're getting into draft season. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on every single week. How you doing today? Hey, it's it's good. I think we went like one week without, and I felt empty inside. So it's nice to be back. Because you had boots on the ground. That's why it wasn't a it wasn't anything that we could control. Because you were out at what was it? Is it technically called a pro day in basketball? I know they call that in football, but at no, the no. I was. Uh, I think that was the one I was in Miami. I was actually just there to for like a private workout. Okay, yeah. So in, in football, they call those like pro days at, at the campuses, but you had boots on the ground. You've been going to some of these workouts, hearing about how these workouts have gone. Uh, so uh, that's the only reason why we'll miss a week leading into the draft is if Richard has a ton of uh, 
stuff going on in that capacity. But uh, Richard, this week starts the combine and it coincides with the lottery. Fans for the Thunder have been paying attention to the draft heavily over the last two years. And obviously it's kind of the lifeblood of what the team is trying to do right now. And they haven't really had to do that before. I mean, you think about in 2008 when the team moved here, they kind of had their pieces together in Russ and, and, and KD and then they had that draft cycle to get James Harden, but back then there was not as much ready-made draft content as they are there is now that you can get. And also, the team was still so new that some fans were trying to still understand basketball, much less the NBA draft and how the process works. So this is really the first time that Thunder fans have truly had to engage in the draft and deep into the weeds. So as the combine starts this week, and you and I start tweeting out information that we're getting, and uh, also just kind of just everywhere seeing the testing and watching NBA TV and stuff, what what? What are some of the important metrics that happen at the combine and uh, in going into some of the scrimmages and the and the different drills that they're going to do? What drills matter? What drills don't really matter that much? And kind of what are you most looking forward to uh, this week? Yeah, the number one thing is going to be wingspan and height. Those are the two big things. If you remember last year, uh, Sharif Cooper, his his height was misprinted. Not like they measured wrong. It was they put him in for somebody else. And he was like barely six foot. And then they accidentally put him at six five, which he had big hair, but they did not measure him right. And everybody lost their mind for a while until draft day. People were like, no, he was six five. That was not a mistake. And the NBA admitted it was a mistake. So, you know, as long as something like that doesn't happen, it should be pr- pretty calm. But wingspan and height, those two things make a lot of a difference. And you can tell it makes a difference because of things like that. And then kind of we see drills happen all the time. I remember that, that I think it was like what, two or three? or three cycles ago whenever uh Boone from Tennessee just just dominated the drills and, and just was a supreme athlete and then it didn't really translate into anything but what kind of drills and numbers are you looking are, are you looking at that kind of can give you an indication of what these players can be is it is it a certain you know kind of agility drill is it the shooting drills like what, what are you most looking forward to in that capacity yeah I trust the shooting drills a lot I also like the vertical stuff uh, but the one thing I would say is with the vertical, keep an eye out. Sometimes that stuff is fluffed. They have to, like, in order for that to be perfectly accurate, they have to perfectly measure the standing reach the first try because whatever they put, like, if a guy doesn't extend all the way or something, which isn't, like, uncommon, or if they just straight up miss, and he jumps, you know, the same amount, like, he gets the same amount of air time and his feet are just as far off the ground, it's going to register two different things depending on where that standing reach was, was measured at. And then we see these scrimmages that happen and you and I are, are going to consume all the scrimmages and watch every second of it uh, because we're psych- sickos. But what goes into that? I mean, w- that we know that, you know, the top end players do not play, but who has incentive to play in those scrimmages and how much do they really matter for, for in terms of moving you up and down boards come draft day? You know, it, it depends if there's a guy who, trying to think like Johnny Davis, right? Johnny Davis, we saw a lot of him. We saw a lot of him against some really good competition. He played in one of the best conferences. If he's not, you know, if he's not hitting his shots, I'm not really going to hold it against him. We saw what he did in a much tougher role against teams that truly game planned. Now, if you want to see someone like for me, I have Ryan Rollins as a riser in this combine. He's somebody who he saw Max Christie was probably the toughest defender he got to go against. Max Christie will be in the combine. Max Kersey is not even close to the best player in the combine. So if he, if Ryan Rollins really struggles, no matter who he's scoring against or going against, and he struggles, that stuff is a flag because that, that could mean, you know, these guys like Max Amos last year, he was a guy who 
when he went up against the competition in the combine, he was not even close. And honestly, this year his stock plummeted, partially because of that, but also because he didn't repeat what he did. And for mid-major guys that haven't played these top-end talents, they have a lot to gain and a lot to lose. I don't think the mid, the big major guys, you give them more of a pass, unless there's some serious fundamental flaws in why they're failing. I want to ask about two guys specifically in terms of the scrimmages. Uh, and, and let's start with the guy who we're going to talk about uh, here in segment two and three, uh, mainly Shaden Sharp. Uh, what, what would be your advice to him? If, if Shaden Sharp fires his agency tomorrow and hires you, would you suggest that he plays in the – uh, in the scrimmage session, or do you just say, "Hey, let's leave the mystery, you know, part out there"? Because the only thing you can really do is hurt yourself. Because even if you dominate, like you said, you're dominating against guys not even in your draft range. So, how much was that really going to help you? It is, goes back to you still have that knock of competition level. Yeah, no, I would not let him play. Uh, if teams want to see him play so bad, work him out. That's that's a simple solution. The fans don't need to see it. It's kind of one of those things. Dante Axum went number five because. He was a mystery. We see this kind of thing all the time. These guys who we haven't seen him play in a year, Mitchell Robinson. I mean, he, he didn't go as high, obviously a little bit different, but he still was a high second rounder. Mystery is good though. Like it's a less is more approach. And then how about the same for Leonard Miller? Would you, as he's, his draft range is a lot different than Jaden Sharps. Would you suggest that he plays in the, in the scrimmages or keep that mystery uh, still under wraps? Yeah, that's a tough one. I'd say keep it a mystery too. And then kind of just before we transition here into, into more of a shade and sharp focus podcast, like for, for this whole draft process, right. I, I would just wonder what, what the scrimmages can serve or kind of just when you said, kind of work out, you know, if you want to see shade and sharp play, don't play the scrimmages, have them work out with a team from, from your experience talking to players and everyone else and agents and scouts and everyone else, what do those workouts look like? Because we're seeing a ton of names, and you've reported a ton of names that's going to Oklahoma City for workouts. And oftentimes these workouts include five, six, seven prospects, you know, in the same in the same building at the same time. Do those do those workouts include scrimmages of some kind against your kind of peers? Yes, for the most part, they're three on three scrimmages. Uh, they revolve in what they're doing. They usually will end with a full three on three game, where it's uh, some teams do full court, some teams do continued half court. And if there's nine players, that's also not uncommon from my understanding where they'll do the rotating kind of teams. They do a lot of the drills. They'll do the same stuff you see in the combine. They'll measure them in certain ways and, and what their verticals, wingspans, all that work because there can be variance in that kind of thing. And then also the shooting drills that you see in the combine, they're going to be doing a lot of that. So you're going to be just seeing it's a, it's very much a competition internally without it actually a lot of the drills outside of the scrimmages really being competitions. And then who has the most to prove at the common this year? Because for me, you know, I'm looking at a guy like AJ Griffin who has some medical issues and he can kind of use that as a point of leverage because if he thinks that he's healthy enough to play and, and, you know, if you evaluate him as a top guy in this draft and he can use his medical red flags kind of in his advantage of, I'm only going to share this with certain teams, my medical history with certain teams. So who do you think has the most leverage and most to gain this week in Chicago? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily use that approach for what I'm about to say, uh, but I'll go back with them. There's two people, really. Uh, Blake Wesley, I think he's going to skyrocket. I think he's got a lot to gain by being there. He's a guy who he's been floating around the mid first, but when teams get to look at him and get to talk to him, especially like the, the two people I've heard that have intel with Blake Wesley have said only great things. I heard stuff about him in Portsmouth and then stuff more recently. 
and everything checks out with the kid. And he's a hard worker. He, he's going to, he's getting better in skills. I think that's a big one. And then I'll go back to the guy I said, Ryan Rollins. I think if you're a mid-major guy, you're, you're the ones who, if you perform well, you're going to skyrocket on draft night. And then for the combine, of course, you'll start to see uh, media interviews of some kind. I'm not sure if they're going to be on Zoom or if it's only going to be the uh, in-person in Chicago yet, but uh, then you get to hear more from the players themselves if they choose to reveal uh, their private workouts. Kind of what is the incentive in that? Because you and I have both gotten you know different uh, information that we've shared with each other that we can't share publicly uh, about who's working out where and what they're doing. Kind of what goes into that of, of, of why some groups, you know, some players – want everything out there just everything they're doing and some don't it's management it's one way or another it's team management from uh teams like indiana for example every year they tweet everything they tweeted it today who they had their time i got a i got a workout notification saying hey this guy's working like a not a notification but like a heads up they're like hey he's working out with indiana i searched it to make sure i wouldn't be the one breaking it there have been like a day's worth of it i was like all right well and it happens every year they they do not keep it a secret because some teams think, oh, I don't want anybody, whether it's fans, I don't want, you know, personnel. I don't want these people to know what I'm going to do. I want to kind of, you know, keep my next move up my sleeve. And as for players, the, the opposite is kind of the thing where it's like players want to like these kids are anywhere from 18 to 24. We've always, whether you're listening now and you have been 24, you are 24, going to be 24, I promise, as someone who has been 24 or 18, in that range, you want attention. Like, attention is very fun when you're very good at things. Not like, like if you, for me, I've had a player ask me to break the news saying like, hey, he's working out here because they want that. And it helps their brand. And it helps them, you know, if they get drafted, people aren't going, who? That's the goal for a lot of these fans and families, or excuse me, players and families and agencies so they don't have to spend time explaining who they are they are already known so it, it kind of goes both ways the issue is is the agencies are kind of the, the coin flip uh because the players are always going to want to be you know they don't mind things being posted i mean they post stuff on their stories but agencies sometimes are like we can't let them know the team won't let us comply and if the team doesn't let us comply and we spill suddenly we've lost their trust and you know we've lost clients so it's a messy road yeah, and that's kind of the deal where, like, you know, you and I are both sitting on some names that we can't reveal yet, uh, and that we're just kind of waiting on it. Are they going to post it themselves? Then I can start posting it too or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that if I was running a team, I'd do it the way that the Thunder do it and just not say anything. Uh, as a content creator, I like the way the Pacers are doing it, where they just tell you who's who's all like, working out. And I've seen them also hold media availabilities for some prospects uh, at certain times after workouts. That's cool. But if I was running a basketball team, I'd totally do it the way the Thunder do, where – you got to really work to find out who's been in Oklahoma City. You got to hope that the player posts on a story. You got to hope that an agent tells you know somebody in the media, and you kind of work from there. So you know, there's just two different schools of thoughts on that. And in reality, the workouts don't mean all that much. It's just a touch point with a prospect. It's not going to guarantee that they're going to draft them. It's not going to guarantee what their draft range is. It's just a touch point. And the Thunder have been known to utilize it that way, like working out Trey Young during his draft and the Thunder weren't even close to Trey Young's range. It's just an ability to say, if we ever need something in the future, we have a connection now with you and your agent of look, the Thunder in a position now where if Trey Young ever demands a trade from Atlanta, I don't think it'll happen, but they at least have now opened up a door of conversation to where remember we we've known what this kid's about from interviewing him and working him out way back when. And we kind of had that relationship now and the Thunder have draft capital trade for guys of Trey Young's ilk who, if they didn't work them out in, in a kind of a quote unquote silly way because of their low draft range, then they wouldn't have any sort of feel for 
how that player is in terms of just a personal one-on-one connection. How much does that really matter? That's up for you to decide, but that's kind of also what goes into uh, these workouts. Not every guy that the Thunder have worked out have, has been a guy who I have a draftable grade on, but the Thunder also take pride in unrestricted in, in uh, undrafted free agents to where now, again, you have that connection with them as you, as you start that mad dash. And then the combine on the last thing for the combine, some guys are going to go in and get the grade of a, of a second round pick and kind of not what they want. When we talk about second round picks, I find this so interesting in the draft because I feel like it's the only sport where you sometimes you don't want to get drafted. Like you're hoping you go undrafted kind of what, what plays into that from your years and years and years of watching the draft and covering the draft and talking to agents and talking to players, what goes into just players are saying, Hey, don't draft me. I, I want to go undrafted and pick my team. Yeah, I, I can give two examples. So one was from the 2019 draft. There's a player who I was in close contact with as an agent, and he was texting me throughout the draft. And he was uh, not throughout, but like at the end of the draft, he was like, "Hey, we might hear his name called." Uh, just FYI, so like if you want to get your scouting report ready to plug, like go ahead. And like three minutes later, he goes, "Hey, actually, cancel that. We want to be able to. They're trading the pick. We're just going to go ahead and say we want to be with them. They've done us some favors. We'll go ahead and sign with them." And free agency and actually this player did get significant minutes over the last couple of years uh so it worked out for both parties they got to pick their situation they both felt it was the right situation and instead of them going no we have to hear our players name announced in these like pointless 55 to 60 picks they said just don't they told teams do not please just don't draft us we want to be in a right situation we don't want to play on a two-way contract we want to be able to like you know scale up more easily so that's something a lot and then last year there was a player who he was uh, he was being promised two ways at the end of the draft and instead said his agency and him and we're like, no, I want to go. I know where I want to go. This team doesn't have a pick. And uh, he was a very effective rookie. So sometimes it's just those picking that situation and you have to kind of sacrifice that little bit of pride where it's like, yeah, it would be really cool to see every in the for history books, players that were drafted. You were in that where it's like you look at the 2021, 2019 draft. Their name would have shown up, but instead they cared more about the kind of, hey, I'm going to be a guy who, when you look at this roster, who had an impact, that's going to be me, even though I wasn't on the draft page. So it's kind of a balance of giving and taking. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Coming up, let's talk about Shaden Sharp, who I think can do a lot of interesting things at the combine this week and, and start to kind of see his draft range as we see the draft lottery shake out uh, this week as well. Uh, but first, I want to say right now, but good friends over at uh, Chakra, it feels feeling your best to start your, your day is what's best for you. And, and that kind of depends on kind of what you're eating and putting into your body. Chakra helps your you live healthy, a balanced lifestyle, and truly enjoy it. It's delicious, plant-rich, transformation nutrition 
that builds a foundation for living in your best body. Now is the time to check it out because Chakra is a wellness company anchored in food and as medicine on a mission to nourish your body throughout uh, the power of plants. Chakra gives you the tools you need to transform your life with their organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and function wellness essentials. Their nutritional designed chef created breakfast, lunches, and dinner that are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients, helping boost your energy, support your digestive system, and uh, curb your sugar cravings, get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door, ready to eat. Chakras Function Planet Rich Wellness Essentials help you create a body you love living in from their best-selling metabolism super powder to the foundation, their daily supplemental packs. Chakras products are designed to support your wellness goals anytime, anywhere. And right now, Chakras offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to chakra.com slash locked on to enter the code locked 20 at checkout. That's chakra.com S A K A R A.com slash locked on to get 20% off your next order. That's chakra.com S A K A R A.com slash locked on. We are back locked on thunder podcast on the lockdown podcast network, your teams every day. Thank you for making locked on thunder. Your first listen every single morning, every single day we're here for you talking thunder basketball. Your second listen, Richard, but I don't know what the second lesson is. It's NBA draft big board, which you're very familiar with. Yeah. Hey, we have a lot coming up this week. Uh, honestly, the whole next six weeks, five weeks till the draft, we have a lot coming up. Uh, Raphael has been going a lot of workout places. We actually got to be at one Friday. So we've, uh, we've been together on things, but a lot of good content. We're going to have some exclusive stuff. We have just good and old, the same old fashioned scouting reports from, from like kind of a, a above a bird's eye perspective, I should say. Got a lot coming your way for, for draft coverage. So speaking of draft coverage, that, of course, gets a little easier to pick out ranges once we have the NBA draft lottery in store. And one of the more interesting names is Shaden Sharp, who, as you mentioned, you love the vertical. There was a video circulating how what kind of what were the parameters, as you mentioned, it's easy to kind of fool the uh, the vertical system test. But the vertical was better than Michael Jordan's, I believe, was what the tagline was of the video. Kind of what is Shaden Sharp's range for you as somebody who's deep dove into his high school career and everything that you've done over the last few weeks? Kind of what is the the ceiling for his draft stock and kind of where do you think he levels out at? Yeah, um, at, right, uh, at this moment. I don't think it's really that much of a stretch to say he could be in that mix for number one. It's just such an unknown that it's not that unreasonable. And, you know, these high school phenoms, uh, he was the number one kid in his recruiting class. Like he very well could have been in the mix next year. If he had just stayed done the traditional course, he very well could be in that mix. So I don't think in a worse class, him being the number one player is that unreasonable. So I think he could go as high as one. I don't see him escaping like the eighth pick. That's that's just that would be shocking to me if he fell that far. Now, what are his strengths to his game? Why could he leap to number one in this draft? Yeah, so his strengths are pretty strong. Great athlete, I would say, actually elite. He rises up quick and he gets high. That's a great combination of getting off the ground quick and going high off the ground. His jump shot's pretty projectable. I think he's going to be able to finish well through contact. So you look at a three level score. With elite athleticism, a seven foot wingspan, he's six six. It's measured, it's reported at seven foot. Even if it's six ten, look, it's really impressive. He has all the tools you want in a shooting guard. You look at guys like Jalen Green and how well he 
has exploded, I would say, offensively. And that's both from the G League and now as a rookie, Shaden Sharp's not that far off. And I think he's got a lot better of a defensive potential. Kind of is just the unknown the, the hardest part about his stock? What's kind of his, his weaknesses? I mean, I know defensively he, he was not a stalwart at all in that end of the floor in high school, but who really is it whenever he's projected to have those those heights of his career? Yeah, so a lot of these are age-associated issues. He's not that consistent from three. He needs to keep adding strength. He's a little bit right-hand dominant as a finisher. His mechanics on his jump shot, not always repeated, uh, but it's not like alarmingly in that way. It's just like not perfectly repeatable. Those are all things that will be fixed with youth. And then on the defensive end, it's a pure unknown. He's out of stance a lot. He doesn't try on that end. You, It's very hard to find high schoolers that are five-star recruits that try on that end uh, consistently. And, you know, somebody will probably say like Coach Jabari Smith. I don't even remember what he did in high school, but I could guess. Or Chet. But, like, those are exceptions to the rule. So that doesn't bother me. The one thing that does worry me is that I don't see a lot of separation ability consistently from him. On drives, they kind of stay on his hip, and he just kind of extends past, which I guess is a form of separation, but he doesn't blow by guys and leave them in the dust like he kind of does on defense, like he gets blown by. Kind of reminds me of SGA, who, I mean, like, it's not like he just SGA is just blowing by people and he scores effectively at the rim. You know, he's using his length to his advantage and his change of pace is at, at his advantage and those lengthy arms to kind of use his scoop, patented scoop layup uh, to get to the rim. Obviously, he's elite at rim finishing, even with all those things uh, in the bag. But I know NBA comps are very flawed and NBA comps are just very difficult and silly. But in terms of caliber of player, not necessarily like who they're going to exactly play like, but when you're building a team, you know, you need a superstar, you need a, you know, a guy that can go get you a bucket. You need a guy that can go shut down the other team, you know, their ball handler, and then you need a versatile defender and stuff like that to get to create this mixture of a championship level team. Is yeah. Shane Sharp a number one? Is he number two? Is he number three? Is he is he an unknown? Kind of what what stylistically would you call Shaden Sharp whenever you're thinking about him in a playoff rotation? He's a one and a half. He could play the one. He could be not like a position. Sorry, he could be like your first option at times. You probably don't want him to be your full time first option. Uh, my comparison though was Jalen Green. I, I see a ton of offensive comparisons. I think with a little bit better playmaking and ability, and just overall like feel for the game off like just on both ends um but you know i i think it's a star i don't think he's quite superstar star upside with that ability to be a first and a half option like i said he can be a first option at times not the full time but he's probably not worse than the second option in the scenario where he hits and so thinking about it from a thunder's perspective let's just say that the draft lottery shakes out to where the thunder miss out on you know the consensus top three as of right now and then they go the shade and sharp route they go the unknown route how does he fit into this weird puzzle of SGA and Josh Giddy, where SGA needs a bulk touch to be able to continue to thrive as an isolation scorer? Josh Giddy needs a bulk touch to be able to continue to hone in on his elite trade of playmaking, which is really the way that he's effective in the NBA is via his playmaking because he can't really shoot right now. He can't really uh, play great off-ball offense, offensively besides keeping your offense in rhythm with his passing, uh, kind of, you need SGA to set up your offense to, I mean, you need Josh Gay to set up your offense to be able to thrive and continue to be kind of that high-end player that he was last year. You need SGA to have the ball in his hands to score in isolation, which he's very good at. How does Shaden Sharp fit into that mix? Yeah, he can play off ball, which I think helps a lot. Uh, the jump shooting, I think, will really help. And I think that 
his ability to play a quick offense, something I see Oklahoma City kind of moving towards. If they aren't already, I don't know what their pace was, but something like those two things offensively really works. And his ability to just, again, kind of be that versatile role without long wingspan, good size at 6'6", six, 6'5", six, six, whatever he's going to be listed as. I think he kind of just fits into any – it's almost like there's not one lineup that really – wows me but there's also not one lineup that scares me where you're like ah you can't fit him with these guys so like unless you really think they run four guards with like giddy sga man and and sharp which won't happen you know it's probably he's probably gonna fit in just about every lineup i think that's what's really promising about him is despite not being versatile on the defensive end his roles in length and size really make him a versatile offensive player all right, Richard, you know I like to put you in the hot seat. Let's say Sam Presley calls you on draft night, and he's only giving you the option of these two players. Richard, I'm either going to take Shaden Sharp or I'm going to take Jaden Ivey for this Thunder team, this current Thunder team who we're trying to capitalize on this five-year window with SGA that starts this year. So the clock on the five-year window is starting right now on that Shea extension. And so we want to capitalize on the guy who can fit with these guys and go get us to the promised land. You have to pick between either Shaden Sharp or Jaden Ivey. That's your only two options. Who are you going with? Well, first I'd ask if he has a wrong number. Uh, but second, uh, I would probably tell him Jaden Ivey. I, I, here's my thing with Ivey. I think we did an episode. He has the most strengths of any player in my, in my scouting report. Are there some issues about him potentially being uh, growing as a scorer, kind of a ball hog at times? Possibly. I get it. Will that scale up to the NBA and still be an issue? I'm pretty doubtful. So, I think, I think he's going to be fine on defense. I think he's going to be able to shoot. I think he's going to be able to create. He's quick. He's explosive. He's really crafty. To give me Jaden Ivey. I think he's a safer bet with a near equal upside. So how, how, did, how does Jaden Ivey then fit with uh, SGA and Josh Giddy as we go through the this guy needs touches, this guy needs touches, and this guy needs touches? I feel like Jaden Ivey, he's best on ball as well. So now you have three guys who are best on ball. Kind of how does he fit into that mix? Well, we don't know really what Jaden Ivey looks like off ball, to be fair. So I, I'm confident in Jaden's shot growing into a pretty useful shot. So that kind of just goes into this, my assessment of just projecting that. If you don't believe that, then yeah, it's not a fit. But if you do believe the jump shooting is going to come along, then Ivey does fit because three guard lineups are a thing. Also, it allows them to run any set of two guard lineups with man, giddy, SGA, and uh, Ivey under this scenario and, and really you can just maximize a ton of lineups. I think overall, you know, you won't see a negative out of Ivy and a lot of those lineups too on defense. I think it, it makes sense to me, like, especially if you believe in the jump shooting. Richard, I got a, a knock at my door today. It was the mailman. And uh, guess what it was delivering a box of built bars. I'm sure that yours are either there or on the way because folks, they have a brand new flavor birthday cake puffs they sent them to all of us uh, today and uh, i cannot wait to dip into them because guess what folks imagine dipping your finger into a plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing it's only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein that's what it is to eat a, a birthday cake puff from built bar i just received my birthday cake puffs and i have never had anything like this before because they are fantastic folks you need to try them today the the specific built bar puff birthday cake bars are a protein bar with a tisic candy bar with 150 calories 16 grams of protein nine grams of sugar and it's a limited time only flavor with an amazing option for you so go check them out today to get your summer started off right for a treat this summer as you continue uh, to uh to get the way you want to be at built.com 
Use the code LOCK15, get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15, 15% off your next order. Richard, favorite Bill Bar flavor? Has it changed recently? What are you, what are you kind of dabbling in right now? You know, my, like, my, like my big board, my number one is still cookies and cream. I got my shipping, shipping uh, shipment, excuse me, too. I'm staring right at it, and I'm really mad I didn't put it over here and open it yet. But it, for whatever reason, uh, I have two addresses on my, on my locked on stuff. And it's sent to my parents' place, and I had my parents had to come over for a minute, and they dropped it off. And I felt like a kid, like getting a package as like a ten year old. It was the happiest thing. They go, they're like, "Built sent you something," and I was like, "Oh shoot, here we go!" I was so excited for it. I, I got mine in the kitchen right now, but I gotta have to open up that package and and get all that delicious goodness. So uh, by by the next episode, we'll have tried them, and we'll see uh, we'll see exactly how great these. Um, they just sound amazing. Birthday cake built bars, and like you. My cookies and cream is number one, but I don't know if if we really dive into these birthday cake options, they might they might surpass number one. So check out today built.com lot 15, 15% off of your next order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. For your next listen, check out the Locked On NBA podcast, a national podcast talking all about the NBA playoffs and the NBA as a whole all throughout the offseason. And of course, check out uh, Richard Salmon's podcast, NBA Big Board with Raphael Barlow. And then I also check out Richard on Twitter at Mavs Draft for all of his scouting reports and scoops because, Richard, you are just dominating right now in terms of the workout listing and, and who's going where and who's doing what. So I want to give you credit for that. And as we kind of head into this week, it's a very important week. It's the combine. It's the, uh, it's the lottery. And I've been saying leading up to this week that now is the time where rumors start to get a lot more legitimate and we are going to start to see a ton more smoke. Do you agree with that? Yeah, the same way a series doesn't start until the the what is it? Like the, the road team wins a game. Wins. You got you got to yeah. have that which the Mavs so, and Suns series might not started. start. I'm hoping it does start. It hasn't started. Yeah, hey, me too. I really hope it starts uh well by the time by the time this comes out it, it has finished and started. Hopefully hopefully what a weird, uh, you know, what a weird I'm sequence. On the wrong side. Hopefully the Mavs come out on top of Mavs draft gets to see another day, but um, sorry, kind of like the, in the same way I completely sidetracked there that uh, the road, you know, the playoff series doesn't start until a road team wins. The, the draft season doesn't start until the combine begins. So there's the stuff I've, I don't know about you. I haven't heard actually much smoke this year. And this is the longest I've ever gone hearing about no smoke. Like, uh, it's really refreshing, honestly. I don't have to negate like Johnny Juzang's not a top 15 player this year. It's really nice. Last year, that was a real thing, like a, a, not at 15, but like first round. That was a real thing that I had to negate. So it's fun not to have to fight those battles yet. Well, Richard, you know, I cannot let you get out of here without doing some old tankathon simulations before we have to put it away for a year because after tomorrow, there's no need for tankathon right now because we'll have actual, we'll have the actual lottery. But uh, I want you to grade. Like an old school, grade school scale, A through F, what each of these scenarios would be for the Thunder and who you think would be the best option for their top pick, whatever it may be. So we're going to start with this simulation right here. Oh, the Thunder get pick seven and 12, along with pick 30 and 34. 
I can't lie to you. That's that's like an F. That's that's a that's a this is like what I did in school. I didn't do my homework a lot of times and I would do fine on the test. So like think of it as I don't really know, but uh yeah, that's an F. So I'm used to seeing those. That's definitely an F. Yeah, that that's tough. That's tough. Let's see if we can get something better. There we go. There we go. Thunder get pick one, twelve, thirty, and thirty-four. Also an F no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's an A plus. <laughs> Another simulation again, 7, 12, 30, 30. Golly, come on, Tingathon. That's an F. 7, 12, 30, 30. Okay, maybe the maybe we're just getting all the bad spins out of the way today. Slightly tomorrow, we get some uh get some good luck in the actual lottery. All right, here's here's another one. 2, 12, 30, 34. I think it's still probably an April. I I I'm in the camp if the Thunder got one or two, that's the exact same grade. You in this draft, you don't want there's not like last year. Last year you wanted Kate, or really like two years, three years ago, whatever it was, or I don't know, make a year. There's most years you want somebody at one, and then you're like, all right, fine, that's compensation prize. This this year, there is a true no one knows between like the main three of who the actual main prize is. So one and one or two, it's the same grade for me. You're on mute. Our last spin, Richard, is our best spin. Thank you for that. We're going to keep it. This is the last spin. It's the Clippers leaping to one. Of course, Ode to the Thunder. The Thunder falling to seven. So you get one in seven. And the one is via the Clippers, which is a 1.5% chance of actually happening. That is tremendous. That is chef's kiss. Yeah, it's like a C. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, I actually had one. I, I pulled up Tankathon and I have a different one. So I, I'm not going to name the teams in front, but the Spurs do, do jump to number two. This is a very, very central uh is a straight line of a lottery i'll name the teams i've violated my own terms houston san antonio orlando detroit oklahoma city you can almost draw just a straight line between the four of those teams oklahoma city at five personally i'd say it's like a c it's not actually the worst thing uh in worst case honestly one of two things you either trade five and twelve to if you're that set on going to the top or you trade five down and then you also have whatever in 12 and you can move I, i think both i actually don't think it's like a horrible option you segued perfectly to the last topic of the day. I've been pounding the table in this draft. It's going to be easier to trade up in this draft than it was last year, or it will be next year. I think that this year is the year where if you don't get lottery luck with all the assets and you really like a guy, you can go up and get him. Do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah. I mean, they, the Thunder are in a position like we've never seen before. And every year it kind of goes down at this point. It kind of peaked at this last year, but it's not like it's something that's falling rapidly. They could go ahead, and and I think I've been saying this forever now, since you said I said KD and Mobley were the same player. The Thunder could go ahead and trade for Carl Anthony Towns and Bradley Beal and still have a little bit of leftover assets. No team, maybe the Pelicans, can say that. Like Those are the two teams that could do it. And look, if the Thunder really feel like they could offer the Prestia Mansion or whatever the prize name is called now, like they can get away with it and not even be close to coming negative. They're playing with so much house money on picks. That's my opinion. If if my scenario plays out and that Clippers pick goes to one and the Thunder pick stays at seven or it goes drops down to seven, but one and seven and 30 and 34. First of all, we need a parade, but not in Bricktown in New Orleans, number one. Number two, does that retroactively make the Paul George trade even worse? I know that you know, he technically got Kawhi, but let's just say that the Clippers call Kawhi's bluff, okay? Don't come to us then. Go stay in Toronto where you don't want to be. You, you either come to LA or stay in Toronto. 
would you rather have Shea and Kawhi and a year of Gallinari? And then, you know, of course, you wouldn't have this first overall pick, but then versus giving up the value of Shea and this first overall pick and then whatever value Gallinari got back from Atlanta, of course, for the Thunder and that sign and trade ordeal, uh, which one would you rather have? Would you rather call Kawhi's bluff and keep SGA or still make this trade even while you lose so much value? Yeah, I don't think the reason they lost the trade is because of what they did. I think two things did it. One, the Kawhi injury last year, they probably make the finals, I think, with him. Um, and two, I really do think, and that's not a takeaway from the Suns. I mean, the Clippers were really good. Kawhi had a very strong argument to be the best player in basketball last year. So, like, it's not a, not a knock on the Suns. But also, the pandemic screwed a lot of this up. The Clippers had a lot. I think people forget this. The Clippers had a lot of momentum heading into March which is about when you want to start getting that post-All-Star break momentum. And who knows how the playoffs play out. Like, like, let's be real. The Heat in Lakers was not going to be the finals in a normal scenario where COVID didn't ruin the season. So if the Clippers had back-to-back years of dominating the Western Conference, like they were very much on track to do both years before they kind of got screwed, I don't think they regret this. So on one hand, they did lose the trade, and knowing what they know now, they would definitely reverse that and not have no assets the rest of the way. But at the same time, they're still actually pretty well set up for the, for the future. So with or without SGA. So personally, I think they would probably not change it. Honestly, I think joking aside and like kind of just thunder jokes aside, I think that if you truly evaluate this, it comes down to, do you believe Kawhi or not? If you believe Kawhi that he was not coming, then this was, this was a great trade for the, for the Clippers because as we sit here and joke that they, oh, they have no assets, they have no assets, that's a really deep Clippers team whenever they get healthy next year. Like, if this offseason is is one full of health for the Clippers and they come in next year with their entire roster on the floor, that's a really deep Clippers team for a team that had no assets to accumulate talent. So I think that if you believe, Kawhi, that he truly was not going to go to the Clippers now, what would he have done if not Clippers? Who knows? But if you truly believe that, then even with all the value you lost in draft picks – it was still a good trade. Like you said, who could have predicted the pandemic? Who could have predicted, uh, you know, the, the injuries? I mean, of course, you can calculate some of that, but who would have thought it happened right away? Just like the Westbrook-Chris Paul swap. Who would have thought right away that Rockets team would be in the, in the bottom four last year? And so those protections at the time looked silly. The, the protections, oh, they're not going to be in the bottom four. In reality, it saved the Rockets franchise almost. So, like, it just kind of comes down to just the wild nature of the NBA. So I, I think that that's kind of how, on a non-joking scale, that you should grade the Kawhi trade It's just – you know, the integrated SGA trade. Do you believe Kawhi or not? If you believe he's, if you believe him, then yeah, this was a good, this was a good trade for the Clippers worth doing because they, they might be one of the top, what, three or four title teams next year if they're fully healthy this summer. Yeah. I mean, their window is still pretty wide open. Even, even though I wouldn't want to be the one having Kawhi's injuries on my hands, even an injured Kawhi is probably a top 20 player. Like the, when he's healthy, you can't stop him. Richard, I know it's going to be a busy week for you. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk again at the end of the week about what's happened at the uh, at the draft a combine and talking about the lottery fallout for the Thunder. But uh, anything else you want, you're looking forward to this week or you want to plug uh, here at the end? No, just uh, locked on NBA draft. Um, or I'm sorry, I keep doing that. Raphael does it, I do it, Sam does it, Leaf does it, I'm sure. I'm throwing half these people under the bus. But locked on NBA big board is actually what it is. Um, the locked on NBA draft brand has been discontinued, but all of us are just, we just moved the show. Um, again, scouting reports, all that stuff. We're going to be doing it. We're going to be talking about what we're seeing, what we project. 
all of it. And then anything at Mavs Draft on Twitter, it'll kind of tie together. Anything I do, all on there. Richard, thanks for joining us. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.